0: go button baby yeah there we go
1: I have to edit hang on there a minute
0: just feel mine
2: buzz
1: I edit the uh, privacy because I don't don't know why I have to do that all the time so it goes public. stand with us sing a couple fast songs today so we can hurry and eat
0: The splendor of the king Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice Wraps himself in light Dark strives to hide he trembles at his voice, he trembles at his voice. How great is God, sing with me, how great is that God, oh see how great. Remember Redemption's here
3: there leading him there thought that they had power over him they had power to destroy him but you know what he said nothing he kept quiet as a lamb to the slaughter even though he could have called thousands of angels legions of angels to come to deliver him but his love would not the love of the Father. The love of the Lord Jesus Christ said, you're worth it. You're worth it, Teddy. You're worth it, Tim. You're worth it, Joe. You're worth it, Mother Jim. You're worth it, Lottie. You're worth it, Joe. You're worth it, Kathy. You're worth it, Gene. Jamie, you're worth it. Nevaeh, Reagan, Linton, Eugene, Bev. You're worth it. Lauren, you're worth it. Neil, you're worth it. Jeff, Kathy, you're worth it. Tracy, you're worth it. Pastor Jim, you're worth it. You know, we're getting ready to come upon that time soon where we celebrate what we call Easter, the Passover, the resurrection. But you know what? That resurrection life, we can celebrate every day, every moment, every second, because that resurrection life lives in each one of He said that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, off that cross, out of that tomb, oh, that spirit lives in you and quickens your mortal body today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All
0: right.
1: time i got in the bag. 20 minutes you go ask start feeding her before you bring her in. yeah that's pretty generous yeah everybody's hungry everybody be like it's time to go yeah you know it's uh Denise is right. Uh, people, uh, they don't think. Well, you're 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 worth exactly what somebody's willing to pay for you. And he gave all. He gave all. You're worth the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's what you're worth. I know we don't think that sometimes, and we, uh, we can get sidetracked, I can get sidetracked. It's easy to get sidetracked and look, and that's why I, I love this lesson. It makes me go back and reevaluate. Uh, this is, I guess we're going, are we, Morgan? You didn't put me on the, that's peace sign, peace. Freedom from the tyranny of circumstances, part three. And uh, when I say these things that I'm about to say, I'm not doing away with the circumstances. I mean, the circumstances are there. I'm not saying that. But even, and, and I, you know, looking ahead, looking down the road, uh, and we've talked about it and talked about it. And I know you guys uh, believe that. I believe we got troubled times ahead. I believe we got hard times ahead uh, for uh, America and especially for Christian people. I mean we're under attack from all sides i mean I mean we are we're under attack and we're gonna we're gonna be made to stand our ground and i and I believe that, and I think that's why. The Lord has given us such a strong assurance. I mean, you know, all the things that we talked about, Christ in you, I mean, this, this blessed assurance. And I mean, you don't really know that you have an anchor for your soul until you're in the deepest, darkest storm that you have ever seen. Otherwise, it don't mean nothing to you until your boat's about to go down and you're washed out to sea and lost. You don't know those things. So in these things, I'm not saying we don't have rough times ahead. But I also believe that they're necessary because I really believe with all of my heart. I don't, these aren't just passing words. The Lord Jesus Christ is on the throne of heaven. People say God is on the throne. Well, That's the same thing. And we're seated with Him. And He's working His mighty works to bring about... The glory of God. I mean, that, that's it. And whatever happens, happens. But I know they may mean it for evil. But he means it for good. So, uh, back in Philippians. Let me read you these verses. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. But I would, you should understand, brethren... I mean, what a plea. I want you to understand, brethren, that the things which happened to me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. I mean, Paul, this wasn't Paul's plan to be in jail. I mean, who wakes up with a plan to be in jail? But it happens, but he said it was for the furtherance of the gospel. I mean, who could have thought that? So that my bonds... Now, here, I mean, this is the whole key to this whole thing. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all uh, the palace and in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now, remember, Paul's in jail. What's he in jail for? Preaching the gospel. Now the Philippians, you know, they're concerned. And I get this because the Philippians are saying, man, this isn't right. I mean, do we not? You know, when I see these things, and see, right here is where I become a Philippian. Because I look at things that, that go on. Court cases, things, laws that are passed. And I say, man, this ain't right. I mean, do y'all do the same thing? This ain't right. What a bunch of idiots. How could this be? Well, that was the Philippians. This ain't right. Paul shouldn't be in jail. The gospel should be being preached. Uh, I mean, this is is wrong. It's not fair. Now, you remember last week we talked about the should and, and, and the shouldn'ts. Well, I'm telling you, they, they, they don't belong in our Christian vocabulary. I mean, you can look back, and you know, you'll be tempted to look back in your life, and you'll, you'll come to certain places in your life when you should have zigged when you should have zagged, or went left when you went right, or went right when you should have went left. And, and these things, you'll go back, and, you, and it'll be easy to have regrets but remember, God is not in shoulds and shouldn'ts. He is, he's the I am. He's the, the God of is. Right now in the reality, this is where we're at. These are the circumstances. Here we are. He's right slap dab in the middle of them. With us. In us. What Paul is telling us here, and I tell you what, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm learning this too. Right with you. I wish this had time to uh, simmer in the pot longer, but it's it was very. I mean, I struggled for two or three. Well, not struggle, but I, I just didn't know where to go when this just kind of came because of where wherever where everybody's at. Paul is telling us that we should transcend the should and the shouldn't, and rather live in the is, live in the reality. Uh, I mean, this is it. This is what is. And as we live in the is, we're asking the question, what is it that Jesus in me would do in me and by me and through me? Do Do you get that in this circumstance? What is it that Jesus is doing, would do in me, through me, and by me? Have you ever, well, and I, I bet everybody has, uh, you know, you, you. if you're like me, I'm a, I like to set uh, world record speed uh, when I go into Walmart or somewhere. I'm almost running with my buggy. I've crashed a couple times and, you know, one time in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I don't know if Morgan remembers, she was little, I run into Todd Bodine. Y'all remember Todd Bodine, NASCAR driver? I went one way, and he went one way, and our buggies hit straight on. I said, ah, hey, call the pit crew. I did, really. Todd Bodine. hit Todd Bodine. I wrecked him. I wrecked Todd Bodine. He probably don't remember, but I do. He might be watching right now. He might be saying, I remember that boy-headed guy. He's the one who hit me in Walmarts back there in the Christmas decorations. But you ever notice that when you... Or a, a, maybe you're in a hurry, and and the people in front of you want to write a check. Y- y'all know what I'm talking about? And it takes forever, and they can't find their checkbook. And then they, well, you don't want to, I'm just
3: carrying on here a little bit.
1: And I'm trying to make sure Nevaeh don't get to eat early. So, punishment for you, girl. No. But you know what I mean. So the things that you had planned, and they don't go that way, but yet you encounter somebody that needed something or, or, or whatever. You hadn't planned it, but boom, there it was. And you was about to get frustrated. Or maybe you did get frustrated. but And see if we could approach every circumstance like that. And this is, this is why it's so important for, for us to learn to live this, in order for us to learn to live this. And what happens when we learn to live this, we, we move, you know, for a long time, the people of this earth, the people of this world thought the earth was the center. And when they realized uh, that the sun was the center do you know they kicked him out of the church? Imagine that. And it's the same way today. We think we are the center. And, but see, when you get a hold of this and you realize what I'm talking about, we, we move ourselves away from, from the center and we become one with him and now our life begins to revolve around him. You know, uh, in Colossians, it you know, we've said this a million times, it, uh, you know, people, people will say this, you're going to make him number one, or that he might have the preeminence. Well, I mean, it wasn't when the people realized that the earth rotates around the sun that then the earth started rotating around the sun. It was always rotating around the sun whether they believed it or knew it or not. So Christ is the preeminent one and your life revolves around him whether you know it or not. He is in you and you are in him. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. That is. That is. And in this, in this picture, in this scene that we've got here, I'd say we're, we're all pilgrims on the same path learning this, growing in this understanding because we find ourselves in all kinds of circumstances. And, and you know, uh, I'm just talking here of circumstances, situations. And, you know, some of them we made, some of them we didn't make. And, you know, I, I look back on my life and all the, the situations I was, I've been in, found myself in. Some my cause, some not my cause. I look back on those situations now, and I see God in those things like you would not believe. I didn't at the time, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't know Him. I knew He existed. I knew He was far away up into heaven. And I figured that He was getting back at me, punishing me, teaching me lessons, all of these things, you know. And I, and I, I just didn't know. And and still yet today, it's it's hard to recognize sometimes. And and you know when I, when I, I guess my goal, purpose, or whatever it is, because I know that we all, we we go out there, and you know, Tracy works in the bank, and 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 you guys work and you do your things, uh, you know, working for the state and doing all kinds of things. And we're out there, and and do you realize? That the jobs that you have, it didn't have nothing to do with education. And and people say, well, Jim got hired on the railroad because of who, who I knew. I got hired on the railroad because who knew me? You know? You got hired to work for the state because of who knew you? Now, we think we went through application processes and did all of this other stuff, and we did, but... I mean, who had the hand in it? You know, how, how, did, how do you get the jobs that you got and all, all of these other things? So, and see, we can become frustrated in the situation because we think that we're going to get a certain job or this job looks really good, maybe, and we apply for this job, and maybe we don't get it. And, we, and, and you know, our minds can go, in. well, if I, I should have done this, I should have had education for this, maybe I should, you know, I'm overqualified, I'm underqualified, maybe I'll get it, maybe... But we forget. We forget. When I say who's in charge, not just who's in charge, who's in you. And and what he's doing here. and I mean, the whole nine yards. I mean, you know, Tracy working at the bank, that's no accident. Can't get her to go back there in the vault. I told her I'd come and visit her in jail for the next 30 years. I would. But... You, you understand, I mean, all of these circumstances, situations, and and some of them, you know, we'll look, you know, sometimes, I mean, you know, you may get a, a customer that's, you know, or somebody you got to deal with, and that may be a short situation, but you know, some of them will grind on you. Because some of the circumstances and situations that we're in ain't over in a day, ain't over in an hour. It might be weeks, it might be months, it might be years. Paul's here four years in jail, and that grinds on you. I mean, it's it's easy, you know. Tracy tells me a lot of times she's got a she has to have a quick. Memory, or, or like a quarterback throws an interception, not to she throws interceptions. Sometimes you may get a customer can ruin your whole day, and then you, you got to move on. You know what I mean? You got to move on. But there's some life situations, man. They ain't no getting out of. You're you're right in the middle of it. You're stuck there. You are. Feels like your hands are tied. Paul's hands literally were tied to a Roman guard. He's not going anywhere. He can't do nothing. And it seems like the gospel has, has been stopped. And the Philippians are saying it's not fair. And we look at it. It's not fair. What do we do? But Paul said, I want you to understand, brethren. There's something bigger here that, that's going on. I mean, God lives in the ears. In the, in the now. He, I mean, he, he, he does. You know, if uh, I hope this doesn't uh, make you mad, Kayla. I think about you and your situation all the time. pray for you all the time. And I just want to jump up and down and say it'll be all right. But this is something that you'll learn to know the Lord in. You will when this all works out good. And I and I mean that. Because I've been there and it's it's tough, isn't it? It's a tough situation. I mean your heart breaks and it seems like you have no power to do nothing, but it's in that. And we'll read some verses here in a, in a few minutes that, that, that'll get you there that man, that's where you discover you know we sing the song how great is our god that's where you discover how great he is you know it's not in sunshines and rainbows you know it's in that and it doesn't seem right but it's in that in the darkest nights when the light shines the brightest and and you know what it's it's those times it's those times when when we as a as a a church, as a family, uh, you know what we do? We, we pray. We pray. What do we pray? That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. That you might see, you might know, you might understand what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us. My God. We should ask when we're in this situation, God, what are you doing? Because I know you're, people say, well, a great move of God. He's creator. He's always moving. I want you to get that. He's always moving. He's always working. Always. Whether you th- go to church and you think, oh, we had a great move of God today. Well, listen, there's, uh, when he moves, it's great because he is great. Everything he does is good and it's great. And He's always moving and it is always working. Whether you see it, feel it, understand it, or know it, it, it matters not. He is. And we, it's easy for us, easy, easy, as Morgan says, easy peasy, to get caught up in a victim mentality. Why did this happen to me? What did I do? It's not fair. We, we can't do that. I mean, it, it, it is. I'm telling you, I could, I'm sure we could all sit around and have testimonials. Of, the, of And you know what? We'd just be comparing stories. Because I know God has worked great and mighty in my life. And I know He's worked great and mighty in yours. Or you wouldn't be here. I mean, you know, so some people want to compare miracles. But, but to me and my life, they were huge. And I just gather to say to you and your life, they were huge. And you, and I mean, just, you know, sometimes, you know, people respond different ways. Sometimes to me, I just go, wow, only you, Father. I had no idea. I mean, you ever think that? I mean, you just know, you couldn't figure it out, you couldn't, I mean, you, you can't make this up. I mean, just, just, Wow. And see, when you, when you learn to ask that question, God, what are you doing now? Father, what are you doing now? What are you doing here now that takes us from frustration, it takes us from anger, it takes us from anxiety and worry to hope or to expectation, doesn't it? When I say hope, I mean expectation. And I want to tell you something with with. Uh, with yourself, thinking yourself is at the center, me at the center, this is where anxiety begins, frustration begins, anger begins, right there. If things That is, if things are not as I think they should be, then I become anxious because my make-believe world isn't living up to what I think it should be. Paul is showing us another way, another way to look at life. And he's doing it while being chained in jail to a Roman prisoner. That amazes me because, you know, I'm glad the Lord recorded this stuff. You know, we can go back through scriptures and we say, wow. It was a lot of, a lot of the Lord's people spent time in jail. If Moses hadn't run, he'd have probably been in jail or he'd have been, he'd have been killed because he murdered a guy. I mean, we forget about these things. Paul, the apostle, was a terrorist. I mean, do you understand that? He, he had letters from, the, from uh, uh, letters of authority. He could, he could bust the door down to your home and take you and your family out into the streets and have you stoned to death. For preaching Jesus. Paul had those letters. And people with him that would carry those out. Imagine that. And now here he is. Locked up in jail himself. Chained to a Roman guard. Now I don't know about you, but if that was me, that would... You know, I'd be thinking in my mind, God is getting me back. You know, I used to be mean, and now, you know, the chickens come home to roost, buddy. I've got to to pay for this. I'd have a lot of anxiety. Four years in jail, a lot of anxiety. And you know what? Religion had him thrown in jail. But yet, in this same letter, I want you to hear what Paul says here. Now, the guy's in jail. You ever think about that? The guy's in jail, chained to a Roman guard. He's about to go see Nero, who he don't know if Nero's going to let him go or cut his head off. He don't have no idea if Nero could burn him at the stake. Nero's a weirdo. Listen to what Paul says in the midst of these terrible circumstances. Philippians 4.4 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say... Rejoice. Wait a minute, Paul. I mean, I'm telling you, sometimes when I read the epistles Paul wrote, I think he's a weirdo. I'll be honest. I'll confess. Guys in jail telling me to rejoice. I say, Paul, you're weird. It's the same guy who says, I rejoice in my infirmities. I say, Paul, you're weird. This doesn't fit my Christianity. I don't know about you, but I'd be, you know... Paul didn't say, start a prayer chain, I'm in jail, get me out. He says, rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice. Paul knows something here. Verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. I love that statement. Be reckless. What does he mean, be reckless here? Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know, Jesus says, whatever you ask my name. I mean, what's he? Be careful for nothing. Do you ever just think about that? Be careful. What do you pray for? What do you pray about? What do you talk to the Father about? I mean, some people, and I'm not knocking this, guys. I'm not knocking this a bit. If you do this, that's great. I want to take you beyond that. Some people will set aside time every day to talk to the to the Father, our Father. And that's good. thats I'm not knocking that. But... Uh, You know, in a relationship, it's got to be a little more. Got to be a little more. I mean, just talk to him about whatever. I mean, be careful for nothing. You can talk to him about anything. I mean, you can talk to him about anything. I mean, this is the boldness. Okay, we ain't even got to this point for yet. But this this is the the boldness. And the peace of God, listen to this, and the peace of God. Now, Paul, what is the peace of God? Well, it passes all understanding. Try to describe it. Well, it's, it's beyond it. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Wait a minute, let me go read that again. And the peace of God, which passes understanding. So you get this? The peace of God, which passes understanding. Let me take the passage understanding out. The peace of God shall keep your hearts. Now, who is the bishop of your soul, of your heart? So who is responsible to keep your heart? The peace of God. I wonder who the peace of God is. He's got a name, a name above every name. Paul tells us in this same letter, his name is Lord Jesus Christ. So who's responsible for your heart? Who's responsible for you? Doesn't that give you a little bit of peace? Because you know, have, I, I tell you what, has anybody in here ever been the lost sheep? You don't know, has to raise your hands. I'm looking right at Lord. Lost, way out lost. But you know what's happened every time I've been lost? And, you know, some people think, well, I was lost out in the world. Guys, I've been right in the church and lost. And Tracy can vouch for me. I will never ask for directions. I will remain lost. Now, if Tracy was the lost sheep, she would be asking every farmer along how to find her way back. I wouldn't. I'd just stay lost. Guys are that way. But I have the full assurance, one, he'll never leave me or forsake me, but he always leads me back. Always leads me back. And Paul has so much joy here while he's in jail, chained to a a Roman guard, that he has to write and tell the Philippians, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. You ever look around and see how much depression is in the West, Western culture? I mean, we're the richest people in the entire world. By far. By far. And what did I tell you causes this anxiety, this depression, or the whole thing? It's, it's self-centered, thinking you're at the center. Not realizing Christ is in you and you're in Christ. Paul is is telling us there's a new center. There's come a new meaning to life. Now Paul, he wrote letters right alongside this one. He wrote Ephesians, he wrote Colossians, he wrote Philippians. He wrote all three of those letters and, and Philemon within a few months, uh, maybe even a few weeks. And when you read them together, you, you overhear what Paul is, is thinking when he's... He calls it the mystery of Christ. I mean, to Paul, look what Paul says here in, in Philippians 1 and 21. For to me to live is Christ. What I hear is, hey, I'm living for Jesus. I'm living for Jesus. Now come at you. Are you living for Jesus? You better start living for Jesus. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. He never says I'm living for Jesus. For me to live is Christ. I mean everything for this, for Paul, this, this Saul of Tarsus, this radical terrorist. Everything has changed for Paul. Life has become Jesus himself. Life has become summed up, contained in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who He is and what He has done. I'm going to tell you what, guys. This is exciting. If you really hear the gospel, it's exciting. It's it's really exciting. What what I hear called the gospel is, is really rather boring. There's a word I told you when you're not seeing God. Boring. It's cold. What do what do they tell you? You're a sinner. You're an old sinner. You might be a sinner saved by grace. You're a sinner. Try to stop sinning. Try to do your best. Keep as many of the commandments as you can. You know, maybe you'll make it to heaven when you die. Maybe we don't know for sure. Straight and narrow, only few. I mean, if that was the gospel, would that make you rejoice if you're sitting in a jail cell? I always think about this. I mean, just think if, if if, you know, here you are and you get sentenced. And the sentence says, you got three life terms. It means you're going to be in jail the next 210 years. But I come to you and I say, but one of these glad days, Bev, you're getting out of jail. And you say, I've got 210 more years to go. Would you jump up and down and raise hands and say, glory, hallelujah, 210 years, I'm out of here. I'd be like, yeah, right. That's the gospel or the so-called gospel that's, that's out there in the world today. They, they, they have no idea. Well, I mean, what did Paul say? Rejoice. Again, I say Rejoice. I mean, look, look what Peter says here. First uh, Peter 1 and 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, that silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of, the, of your fathers, but with the precious blood of... Of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's not the verse I wanted because I can't read my own writing. First Peter one eight. Now listen to what Paul says or Peter says: Whom having not seen, ye love; in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing or faithing. Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Where is glory? I mean, glory is something that we talk about in heaven. And he says, you already have the glory now. I mean, he says, full of glory now. You have it. And and remember, what was the peace called? A peace that passes understanding... And now Peter says the joy is unspeakable. It's beyond vocabulary words. I, I can't, I can't describe it. I mean, and again, this is not a feel good on Sunday thing and then struggle through the week. This is a a, a joy that spills over. Y'all know what spills over? I'll go all the way back to Psalm twenty three. What does he say? My cup spills over. It runs over. I have so much joy that it runs over into Tuesday and Wednesday and Monday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. You know what I mean? So much joy that it spills over. I remember a guy told me this one time. He says, you know. And I'll never forget what he said. And I thought about what he said to his Brother. Daryl Viers, and you just had to know, brother Daryl Viers. He's passed. He said, he said, you know, brother Jimmy. He said, I come down here to pray Creek Church, and man, I get my cup full. And he said, I pull out of the other, and pull out in the curve up there, and I spill the whole thing. You know, you know what I mean? And I, and I, I knew what it meant. See, I never remembered anything he said but that. And I thought about that. And see, we think that because I've got my cup full of joy and somebody pulls out in front of me or does something stupid. I spill my whole cup of joy. Now the rest of my day's ruined. Maybe maybe two or three days during the week is ruined. And it, you know what he told the woman at the well who left her bucket? There'd be a well spring of life, what? Springing up in you. One to feel way more than than a cup. So much joy, Paul in jail says, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. The gospel what is the gospel? I mean, we give a lot of definitions to the gospel, but I mean, what is it? You pin somebody down, what's the gospel? Well, it's the good news. What's the good news to the man that's in prison? You're going to get out 90 years? I I mean, is that the good news? You know what news is? News is something has already happened. Right? I mean, today we might get a live report. But during these days, something already happened. And then you get the news. And the news comes to you and says, guess what happened? That means it already has happened. It already is. The gospel is good news. Something has already happened. It's already taken place. And we just read to you, the peace of God is responsible for the keeping of your hearts. Isn't it amazing how we try to put that responsibility on our own selves and fret and worry and think, Oh, I'm in this situation, I'm in this situation. God must be punished. By God. And we didn't even have any idea. Who's the, let, me, let me say, who started a good work in you? Did you wake up one morning and say, You know what, I think I'm going to follow the Lord and start a good work in myself and I'm going to serve the Lord. Did you start it? Well, I think you know you didn't. And if you didn't start it, Uh, who's responsible to end it? Who's responsible to bring it to completion? You. Who's the author of your faith? Who's the finisher of your faith? You know what you are? Alone for the ride. Yeah, alone for the ride. Yeah. What an adventure. Do you realize, you know, uh, Tracy, you know, pick on Tracy Day. She loves adventure movies. Watch her roll her eyes. And, and so the other day, she buys this movie with a rock in it called The Jungle Cruise. Yeah, you know this part don't go against my time. As we're talking about the Jungle Cruise movie, so I'm watching the Jungle Cruise movie, and you know it's pirates and all this, all this stuff, and all this. And Tracy really enjoyed that movie, didn't you? (laughs) She didn't really. (laughs) Yeah, she didn't like it at all. But, you know, to me, I like adventures. You know, that's why I like Lord of the Rings and and Narnia. I like those adventure movies. And uh, to realize in life, here we are, we're in an adventure. We're on an adventure. And that adventure is the discovery of who God is. Now that's pretty exciting. What is the gospel? You know Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King says, I have a dream. You know Martin Luther King didn't say, I have a complaint. Now he did have a complaint. But the complaint was swallowed up in the dream. I may have to cut it short. My belly's growling. Is yours growling? Okay, good. Many people understand the gospel as God saying, I have a complaint. I mean, how many many people do you look around? How many people would you ask today if they would look at the situations in the world would say God is upset, God is angry? God has a complaint. Do you realize, I'm going to throw something at you here now in this situation I'm telling you about. Do you realize God is satisfied? He is satisfied with the work of His Son. Now, I just read to you the peace of God that passes understanding. And I read to you joy unspeakable. So the gospel to most people is God saying, I have a complaint that you're all sinners. God is fed up with you. He's ticked off. And then Jesus comes along and calms him down for a little while so that the wrath of God isn't poured out on you. It cools him down a bit, but still he really doesn't like you much. I want you to hear this. The gospel is that God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, the the Holy Trinity, from before time, God had a dream. He had the dream. A dream that only love could come up with. Only love could dream this dream. That He would make you in such a way, his fingers fastened us so that he could include us into him. Think about that. That you would become part of the divine family. You remember me telling you, you've been, you've been, you know, I remember Mama and Papa, uh, they had a house up Dial Rock. And. She had one room uh, that was kind of off limits. And, and you know what it was? It was called the living room. It's where the Christmas tree was set up. And you know what? We never went in that room. It's called the living room. We didn't go in there. And it was all nice. And she kept the little plastic runners on the floor so that you wouldn't mess the carpet up. But nobody went in there. But you know where all the fun took place? The kitchen table. She had a couple old bar stools set around there, and we'd sit around and talk and laugh, and that's where the fun took place. You've been invited to the kitchen table. Not the living room. Not this formal stuff. The living room. God has invited you into the divine family, the, the Holy Trinity. That he would be in you and you would be in him. That's the dream of God. That's the purpose of God. And when we sin and broke off of God's purpose, have you ever, I know we got a little young one over there. And I bet Kayla's probably done this before. When she's doing something, have you ever stomped your foot and said, enough, stop it. and And... You know, I bet this has happened before too. And I just want you to get this picture. I I know sometimes you may be wanting to, to do something and she runs off. And you know what you do? You follow her right where she's going. She may run down and she may run in her room. And you know what? You go right down there and you get her. Well, you know what happened? We sinned in the garden. And we run and hid from God. And they stomped us foot and said, enough. I'm coming to get you. I don't care where you go. I will. I mean, that's what it says in Psalm 23. Surely, goodness and mercy. So follow me. That, that word follow means hunt you down. No matter where you go or what you do, His goodness, His mercy is on the trail. will hunt you down. That's, that's amazing to me. He stamped His foot and says, no, I'm not letting you destroy my dream." So, God came after us. He, he, he joined Himself to our humanity, and in Jesus Christ, you have the beginning of the dream. That God is joined forever to humanity, to us. Now, I know this sounds like a, a small deal, and people don't really get this. He becomes our brother. Do you realize that? Brother. God in Christ Jesus has forever joined Himself to our humanity. And He lived in this fallen world, yet He refused to be fallen. But rather, He chose to love the Father with all of His heart, soul, mind, and strength. He he chose to trust in the Father. He chose to obey the Father with His entire being. And now, Jesus, Emmanuel, the Scriptures. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us Now this Jesus who is God with us is worth more than all the creation. Offers himself up on our behalf. And he had to because the first creation becomes so corrupt. It had to come to a radical end. And and Jesus as us and for us carries us into death. I got a, a verse here. at John 12, 32. Just let me read this to you. And if I be lifted up from the earth, we'll draw all, notice it says men, that means it's not in this scripture, we'll draw all into me. he took all of the first, all of the first creation, I mean you would say, well, that included all of us, everyone, and drew them all into himself, if I be lifted up. And you know what? In verse 33, this he said signifying what death he should die. What death did he die? The cross. The cross. Now, if he drew all into himself, and then he rises, he rises as the new creation. He is the new creation. You're a part of the new creation because the new creation lives in you and you live in Him, but He's it. He is the new heaven and the new earth. I'll just say it that way. And the Holy Spirit comes to join us to Him, to him so much so that when He died, you died, we died. And when He rose, everybody that died in Him rose. He ascends back from whence he came, but this time he doesn't go back empty-handed. He brings us to the Father, and he goes back as a man. I want you to get a hold of that. He didn't stop being a man. I know we, we, we've we had... Arguments, and I've seen church splits because some people think that when Jesus rose from the dead, He stopped being a man and He just went back to being a spirit. He didn't, he didn't do that. Thank God He didn't do that. He rose as a flesh and bone man. And he. do you realize that right now in the throne of eternity, there is a man, Christ Jesus, sitting on the throne? A man. A man in the Holy Trinity. And and I'm gonna tell you something. You might not believe us, but I know him personally, Beth. I know his name. People wanna say, well, who is this? And, I, and I'll tell you, I know him. I know the guy that is the king of kings. I know the man that's the king of kings. I know him. We talk. We talked this morning. I you know, I don't know about you, but I know him, Tim. Do you ever just think about that? Some people say, well, you know what? One time I met, you know, I met Todd Bodine. Whoa, big deal. Some people go around with autographs books, you know, and hey, guess what, man? I met Elvis Presley. Well, I met I met Donald Trump. I met I met the King of Kings. (laughs) We had breakfast this morning. Actually we didn't. I'm starving. We know him personally. I mean, that's the gospel, guys. And then, let, let me give you this verse in, in, in John. I'm, I get amazed at these things sometimes. 16, John 16. Verse 26, at that day, or in that day, you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. I mean, he's you know, That becomes unnecessary. I mean, at one time, we had to have a liaison. But now he's saying, you know what? You can talk to dad yourself. Imagine that. You can come boldly and talk to dad yourself. For the Father himself loveth you. That word there, it means he's fond of you. Did you imagine that? You ever had somebody say they're fond of you? You know what? When you're fond of somebody... Man, would you really like somebody? Won't you go out of, out of your way? I mean, do you realize that, that, that Jesus, this is in red letter. Well, it's in white letter. We need to do something about the fonts. It's in red letter. Jesus is saying, don't you know that Father is fond of you? He really likes you. See, we thought, well, God loves everybody, but don't really like me because I am a nuisance and I don't really. And he says, you know what, I've took full responsibility f- for you. Sometimes we think we're all grown up, but you know what? We're, we're, we're just like a little screaming kids running around. We don't know if we're coming and going. And, and uh, you know, I think about them things all the time. And you have believed because you have loved me and believed that I came from God. I came forth from the Father, and I am coming to the world again. i leave the world and go to the Father. And his disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb to us. You're speaking plain to us finally. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee by this? We believe that thou camest forth from God. And Jesus answered said, Do you now believe? What a question. Do you now believe? Do you now have faith? Are you faithing? Jesus says, Behold, the hour cometh, future, and now is, present. Right? Behold, the hour cometh, future, and now is, present. That's what I'm trying to tell you heaven, heaven is now, and yes, it's future. I'm not saying it's not. It's both. It's the hour cometh, and yea, now is, that ye shall be scattered. Every man to his own shall leave me alone and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you that in me you might have peace. Now, Paul says, you know what? In the Philippian jail, I've got the peace. Jesus said, He said, you know what? All these things are going to happen to me that in me you might have peace. Why? Why, Jesus? Because in the world you shall have tribulation. Boy, Christians don't like that, do they? Everybody says, get me out of here. I'm leaving here before the tribulation comes. I'm leaving. I'm not going through the tribulation. Well, you need to talk to Jesus. Because Jesus says, you know what, guys? In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. I, Jesus, have overcome the world. He's overcome the world. Now, I just want you to think about something. This, these questions always puzzle me sometimes, and you don't have to answer this, but do you un, how do you understand the Trinity? How could three be one? People try to explain it in a whole lot of ways, and I have too. but I want to tell you what it really means. It means there's no barriers between persons, between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's no barriers. All three are one in thought. They thank each other's thoughts. They experience each other's experience. There's no purpose that one has that the other doesn't have. Each is completely inside of the other. And and that sameness, that that bond that's between them is love. It's, It's love. I mean, John 14, 20, at that day or in that day you shall know. I mean, what a verse here. That I am in the Father... Jesus said, I'm in the Father, and you're in me, and I'm in you. So, Jesus said, I'm in the Father. Now, if you're in Christ, where is Christ? In the Father. And ye in me, and I in you. You know what he's saying right here? The same relationship that I have... With well, the Holy Trinity is now extended to you. What an invitation. What an invitation to come to the table and get out of the trash bin eating the mess, the hog slop. We've been invited, listen, to the kitchen table is where you have dinner. We're going to go back here in a few minutes and we're going to eat and we're going to laugh and, and have a good time right? Nevea says yes quickly quickly we're going to eat and have a good time the same relationship extended to us so that you and the son the son and you, the son and the father the father and you So much so, in verse 23, he says, If a man love me, Jesus answers "That If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come and make our abode, make our dwelling place, our home. They're going to take up residence. He said, we will. It's not Christ in you and the Father's up in heaven somewhere. He says, we are going to, that's why you're the temple. We're going to make our abode in you. Do you realize when you go to the post office, you walk in there as the very presence of the living God? Because He lives in you. You're His dwelling place. Everybody's looking for a mansion in heaven. Well, guess what? He made you one. You're the abiding place. You abide in Him and He abides in you. That's a far cry from getting your sins forgiven and going to heaven when you die, isn't it? That He's actually joined Himself and joined you to Him. This is saying that, that in God joining Himself to us so that God now has a human life, that when we believe this incredible message, that's why they crucified they couldn't get a hold of this, that the Holy Spirit joins us to God with a, with a human life. So that He carries me, He carries you uh, in, into all of God. And there's no limit to this. I mean, what an adventure. God shares His life with us. We call it divine nature. Uh, let me go back to Second uh, Peter. Second Peter. Make sure I look at it right this time. 1 verse 4. Now... Whereby are given unto us exceeding and great and precious promises. Look at these adjectives he's got to add on to these words. Exceeding great and not just promises, precious promises. That by these promises, that by these ye might be partakers of divine nature. God nature? Do you realize? I mean, do you get a hold of that? God nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Having escaped. Rescued. Great and precious promises. You know what the scripture says? What, how, how, how do you get the promises? What are the promises of God? Well, they're, they're yes in Christ Jesus. They're what? Yes and no. They are yes, and amen. Right? Why? Which means there's nothing off limits, right? All the promises of God are yes. Not if you do this. Listen, I'm gonna in in Galatians. I just got Galatians chapter three verse nine. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are under the works of the law are under its curse. As many as are trying to keep the Ten Commandments are under its curse. Because you never will. It wasn't intended for you to keep. It was intended. uh, Well, we'll go on here. It was intended to keep you in bondage until faith comes. It was intended to show you. The, the perfection of Christ and your need for this union. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now notice it's, it didn't say just keeping the Ten Commandments which the church wants to do today. It says the whole book. You gotta, if you want to be under the law, you've got to do them all. And I guarantee you, if you got cotton socks on right now and polyester britches, you're all going to hell because you can't mix stuff. Right? Scripture says that. That's not, you can't do it. You can't do it. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. No man is justified uh, by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live how? By faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us. I told you we escaped the corruption of the world. Christ redeemed us From the curse of the law being made a curse for us. Remember I told you he joined us and he became a curse for us and he hung on a cross. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Remember he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all, I'll draw it all unto me. He drew you and me. He became the curse. He that knew no sin was made to be sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why? Why all of that? Verse 14, that, that, that's the why, isn't it? That. I mean, why did you do all that? Because there was a a blessing here, wasn't there? There was a dream that God had. What was his dream? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. What's the blessing of Abraham? Remember what he told Abraham? That through your seed, all nations would be blessed. But receive, so what is, what is the blessing? What is the promise? The promise of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this Holy Spirit didn't just come in there to make you feel good and make you all, all this uh, stuff. He carried you to the kitchen table where you can dine with Him and have dinner and have brunch and breakfast and have coffee if you like coffee. I found out this morning that Jesus doesn't like coffee. He likes Diet Dr. Pepper. That's true. And can I get Amen, sister? Amen. She knows. That's why there's never any at the store because he buys them up. Huh? Oh, that's right, Hebrews. Yeah, Hebrews. Now verse 16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many but as of one and to thy seed which is Christ. So all the promises, everything was made not to seeds as many Abraham, stars of the heaven, dust of the sand of the sea, but to seeds of one which is Christ. And then he says in this, I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which is 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. So you, could, you see what they tried to do was, you had this covenant, the promise was made to, to Jesus Christ, they brought in the law afterwards, and people want to say, well, that law will disqualify you. And he says, you know what, the promises were never made to law keepers anyway. And thank God for that. Though the promises were made to the seed and that seed was Christ. The law came later and couldn't disannul this earlier covenant. Now I'm going to skip down uh, to verse 22. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin. Now who is that? Who's that all there? That's me and you. Scripture hath concluded all of us under sin. Now notice it says under. We're under the bondage, under the yoke, under the task master. He didn't say you sin. He says you're under it. That means you're under its yoke. You're under its bondage. That's why Jesus says take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. But over here we are. We're under the yoke. Now what the law did, the law came in and made the yoke even heavier to burn you down even more. And he says... That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. Shut up, door slammed, door locked, until the faith which should afterwards be, be revealed. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us under Christ. The law was our schoolmaster. That we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, now the law is a schoolmaster. But when faith comes, you're no longer under the schoolmaster. What's the schoolmaster? The law. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Children of God. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, bond, free, male, female. You're all one in Christ. And if you be Christ, now I'm not saying you're Jesus Christ. This word here means belong. I told you, who's responsible for you? I mean, you know. Who's responsible for Taylor? Taylor? She ain't old enough to get a job. (laughs) Give her two years. (laughs) Who's responsible? If you be Christ, if you belong to Christ... Then are ye Abraham's seed. You've been included into the seed, which becomes the blessing to all nations and heirs according to the promise. What's the result? Let me go back to Romans here. Uh, uh, Guys, about five minutes, and I'll be done. What's the result? Listen, Romans Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith. Remember, we're not justified by the law. We're justified by faith. We have peace with God. Now, what kind of peace is it? Peace that passes all understanding. Do you realize we have peace with God? you know what that means? He ain't angry. He's satisfied. We have peace with God. Through, see, our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access. Here's this door. Access by faith into this grace where you stand and rejoice in, a, in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. I read this and I think, here's this crazy Paul again. He's writing in jail, but see, he got it. He says, we glory in tribulations. I think being in jail would be a tribulation. You remember what Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. He says, we have joy, we glory in tribulations. Also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. What's he talking about here? We learn to be patient in the tribulation because now we we begin to get excited because we say, what is God doing here? I know he's here. I know he's working here. I can't see it, but he's working here. And patience, experience, I learned to realize my experience becomes I, God is in this thing. And experience hope, expectation, and hope does what? Hope maketh not ashamed. You know what ashamed means? That means uh, to blush, uh, be dishonored. Because of knowing this, I can't be dishonored. I can't, I mean, uh, uh, See, hope is not a disappointed fantasy because we can now, in this tribulation and experience and all of these things, experience the unlimited love of of God. Uh, Look what he says. hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us who lives in us and verse 8 but God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us commendeth you know what that means that means he proved he put his love on display he introduced his love he says you 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 want to know what God's love, love looks like While you was a sinner doing the worst that mankind could do, nailing Jesus to the cross, pulling His beard out, spitting on His face, crown of thorns on His head, gambling His clothes away, God is introducing His great love to us. Your experiences are now one with God. we share them as no other human I mean he he shares them as no other human could you you are sharing in the experiences of God now if you're in him and he's in you the will of God the purpose of God is inside of you and you're inside of it you you know people say well I'm outside of the will of God impossible can you get outside of God no Paul's in jail, and and Paul says, no, I'm not. My bonds are in Christ. Christ is in the Holy Trinity. And I just wanted you to understand this. You are the bearers of the blessing, and that blessing is the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the bringer of the blessing to the world. You you are the very presence of God in every circumstance and situation you go in because He's in you. You're, You're the you're the spreader of the blessing you're the bringer you're the spreader of the kingdom of heaven you know why that is in in Luke uh, 17 listen to this 1720 people won't believe this the kingdom of God cometh not without observation neither shall they say lo here or lo there for behold the kingdom of God is within you. Where's the kingdom? It's within you. It is within you. You are the bringer. Of the kingdom of heaven. And. and That's why it's growing. That's why we. All of these things take place. And go on. Because he's bringing. You into those situations. And circumstances. And all of that other stuff. Because. You know what Paul says? Paul says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels. I'm going to read this and I'll quit right here. 2 Corinthians 4. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now listen, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Let me read it out of the passion. Passion Translation Verse 8 Though we experience every kind of pressure we're not crushed At times we don't know what to do but quitting is not an option We're persecuted by others but God has not forsaken us We may be knocked down but we're not out We continually share in the death of Jesus in our bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. We consider living to me that we are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So then death is at work in us, but it releases life. In you. Man. Freedom from the tyranny of circumstances. And I will quit with that and we'll continue on this next week.